I have the privilege this morning of introducing many of you to someone you don't know, okay? Uh, that is Danielle and Franco. And uh, Danielle actually came to our UNT ministry back when we started a long time ago, like let's, let's say about a decade ago, and has since been doing different ministries, but they primarily work in Bolivia as missionaries, um, and we wanted you guys to hear their heart for the ministry that they're doing uh, so that you could be in prayer for them, so you could support them. Um, our churches, for those of you who don't know, we have a network of churches in the Dallas area, and all of them support missionaries of some kind. Um, our church really doesn't do that formally, uh, although we have kind of our own ministry at Metro Auto Ministry, which we're doing our fundraiser next month, yay, uh, where we provide you know, low-income uh, uh, individuals with cars and car repairs. But that's something we don't talk about a whole lot throughout the year until our fundraiser when I need money, and then I'm talking to you about it. So uh, I think in having Danielle uh, and Franco up here gives us a chance to kind of support as a church and as individuals an actual missionary from kind of among us. Um, and certainly we have some other opportunities, Sugamar over if you're familiar with um, the Wiley Church and in Garland, Brad Willits in Africa. So there's a variety of these, but we kind of want something that we have the ability um, to kind of hear from. And I'll, I'll just say I support a number of people in uh, my life, but Danielle and, and Franco's newsletter is one of my favorites um, because it's so specific and, and just encouraging and they kind of walk you along. And so I'm really, really excited for them to come on up and share with you as long as they want uh, about their ministry in Bolivia. So please give them a very warm welcome. Um, hi, I'm Danielle, and this is my husband, Franco. Um, I'm going to start talking, and then we'll kind of just take turns. But I came to UNT in 2010, and I didn't really know a lot of people. Um, and Focus was just starting on the UNT campus, and there was a group of maybe 10 or 15 um, students and leaders that were getting the ministry started. And so I got involved with Focus that semester, and I hadn't really wanted to come to college to begin with, my mom strongly encouraged me to come to college. Um, I wanted to go straight to Mexico and be a missionary, and my mom didn't think that was a solid plan. Um, and so, and looking back, she was right. Um, but we, I came to UNT, and I think I learned a lot in my classes, but I think the Lord used the ministry of focus to prepare me for ministry in a really um, unique way that I hadn't foreseen. And so that's something I'm really thankful for. I think I grew um, and was challenged to step out of what I thought was what ministry should look like, and that has prepared me for ministry in a lot of ways in Bolivia. Um, so anyway, I'll let Franco talk a little bit now about where we live and what we do in Bolivia. Thank you. Uh, good morning. Good morning, church, again. Uh, first, I am uh, learning English, so please have mercy with me <laughs> and be patient. Uh, I will try to be understandable. I don't know if it's a word. Understandable. Good. Good. Uh -huh. Okay. Um, uh, well, Bolivia is a country in uh, South America. Is in the middle of South, South America, I think that, yeah, that's right. Uh, the purple one is Bolivia, and 
uh, we live in Cochabamba, that, that is a city in the middle of Bolivia. Uh, it's the third uh, biggest uh, city in Bolivia. Uh, how do you say después? After. After La Paz and Santa Cruz. Uh, Cochabamba is a big city, uh, but uh, we don't live in the middle of the city. <laughs> we live uh, in a rural uh, place in the contours. Outside. Outside. And uh, our neighbors work with uh, cows and chickens. Uh, a lot of the people, the families that came to our meetings uh, live in that context. So it's our context too, right? Well, we don't have cows and chicken, <laughs> but we are in the middle of our neighbors with that. Um, yeah. Uh, um, sometimes the people ask us uh, what is uh, the opposition to the gospel in Bolivia, specifically in Cochabamba. And our answer is normally uh, the religion uh, in Bolivia, the Catholicism is the uh, official religion, but it's a uh, mixed Catholicism with the indigenous Bolivian religion. Uh, so that uh, kind, new kind of religion uh, make uh, sacrifice to the Pachamama, that is the Mother Earth, and sacrifice animals. Uh, it's it's weird, but the <laughs> the the people do that, and uh, that is a big uh, wall uh, for uh, the gospel. But we have a powerful God that destroyed every wall. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that is, that is something about the context about Bolivia. Mm -hmm. um, so I moved to Bolivia about seven years ago to work at a, well, I was working at an orphanage and at an international school teaching first grade. Um, and so as I did that, I started to get more involved with the church in our area. And then um, we were taking the kids from the orphanage to a Bible club called Happy Hour on Sunday after, or Saturday afternoons. Um, and it doesn't have anything to do with what our happy hour is, but it's <laughs> just the kids' happy hour. Um, so we would teach a Bible study and do some singing. And Franco was helping with that Bible club. Um, and so we met in 2000. 14 and got married in 2016, and then we're working full-time with the Bible Club and working in the community um, with the hopes of planting a church, but we were seeing a lot of, um, I don't know if opposition is the right word, but obstacles to planting the church because the men in the community weren't interested, they had to work, and they weren't ever available for meetings or just getting involved, um, and so... 
Um, when we when the pandemic started last year, we started to do online church and saw God open up a lot of doors for the gospel through the closed doors of meeting together in person. Um, Bolivian culture was kind of shut down because the government said you can leave your house one day a week in the morning to shop, and that was all. So people weren't able to work. They weren't able to do the things that they normally did, which gave people a lot of free time to think about things that they didn't normally think about, and they had the availability all of a sudden um, to be involved with church and start asking more spiritual questions. Yeah, we can saw how uh, churches and ministry uh, close in the pandem pandemic start, when the pandemic start, and uh, in the worst of cases, uh, a lot of that ministries disappear, disappear, and uh, our case uh, got used the uh, pandemic for impulse the ministry. Uh, uh, we start to uh, visit the the people that was coming to the meetings, the the little group in our home. Uh, before the pandemic, and we start to uh, visit them uh, with food and uh, a lot of things that they need in that time because uh, their work um, almost of, their, their work is uh, sale things in the schools, uh, little, little, candies or something like that, right? We had worked with some of the moms to teach them how to make different, like, jello or different things that they could sell to support their families. And then, but they were selling them mostly at the schools when they picked their kids up from school. And so since schools were closed down, they didn't have any income coming in. Um, or even the people that worked with the dairy cows, nobody was buying the milk. And so the families would come selling two-liter bottles of milk to the door, and we would buy five liters of, or five bottles of milk. And we're like, what are we going to do with all of this milk? But we were trying to support the families with what they were doing. Um, but the Lord provided through a lot of um, people that we knew from the States to be able to support the different families and the different work that they were doing um, and to bring bags of food to them each week to help supplement some of the things that they were missing. Yeah. They have, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. This is a picture of Franco's brother. Um, they would go on bicycles because no cars were allowed on the road to deliver the food. I am taking the picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the happy hour closed uh, the, the doors the last two years uh, because the pandemic, so that was something hard for us because that was our open to the neighborhood, the kids, uh, uh, the families. But when the restrictions well down, we start to have meetings uh, in person and the tiny group that we had in our home uh, before the pandemic with 10 people was 
big with 50 people uh, because we were uh, sharing the gospel and uh, living the gospel uh, with, uh, how do you say, mostrando el amor. Showing the this. love of God through actions. Yeah. Um, we had, there was a family from the church that was receiving food, and she, the lady, um, told us that she, she asked for forgiveness, and we said, why? And she said, well, I've been giving the food that you've been giving me to a neighbor because she needs it more than we do. And I think she was starting to get the vision for loving her neighbors and being a witness through her actions um, to help them um, and to show Christ's love that way. And so that it's been interesting to see how neighbors of people that were coming to the group before have started to come to Sunday morning services th because of the love of their neighbors that was shown to them in practical ways. Um, so this is a picture of our front yard on Sunday mornings. Um, we have a couple of different canopies that we set up and have church outside. Um, yeah, thanks God. He prov provide, provide? provided provided uh, the canopies. Uh, and we have a nice group with uh, entire families there, not only kids or not only uh, mothers, uh, entire families. Uh, there are uh, also uh, single people and uh, young people and old people. So we are very thankful, uh, thankful with God uh, because in our case, specifically, he uh, impulses uh, his work, right? Uh, his church, this is a church now because there are new believers there, uh, people that came to Jesus uh, uh, to love him how he is and because he did a big thing for us in, in the cross and uh, he's living now and he's uh, how do you say dando vida a los que creen giving life to those who believe in him yeah that's right um, so we're about ready to go back to Bolivia on next Monday we leave to go back and we're excited to be able to continue in um, the ministry in our neighborhood um, I think we're Starting, we'll be meeting again on Sunday mornings and visiting the families during the week. Um, this is a picture of me and my sister-in-law visiting one of the families. Um, and our daughter, Adele, is in the picture also. Um, but this is a little bit, I think it's a closer view. The first picture we showed of the city was a little bit more of an overview. And this is more of a realistic look of what the neighborhood actually looks like. Um, most of the families live in pretty extreme poverty, and so there's a lot of really practical ways to show God's love through material help. 
Um, so there's a few different ways that we'd like to ask you to be praying. I think the first um, has to do with COVID and the pandemic. Um, the healthcare system in Bolivia just isn't, no healthcare system was equipped, but Bolivia especially has been really overwhelmed. Um, and so that has meant that a lot of people haven't gotten the health care that they needed for both COVID-related things and non-related um, things. Everybody's health, I think, has just suffered. Um, and so, and that also affects ministry and the restrictions that we're trying to abide by. Um, so just for the Lord's sovereignty in that and for him to continue to open doors, um, and then also, as the ministry has grown, I think we've seen our expenses grow accordingly, which is an exciting thing, and it's been really exciting to see how God has provided right on time for the different things that have come up. Um, so, But we're trying to kind of look ahead and proactively plan for things that might come up um, and to raise support to go with those needs. So trying to find a place other than our front yard that we could meet um, that will be a little bit more comfortable for, not that comfort is the most important thing, but um, for children's classes so that children can have a place to go during the service. Um, so finding a place to rent for that is one of the things that we're looking to do when we get back. And then if you would can just also pray for the growth of the church, um, that there would continue to be people that are seeking to know God and to love him, um, and then that we would faithfully shepherd them as they desire to grow. Um, so we would love to talk to you more about how you could be involved in ministry if you um, are interested in giving. We would be so thankful to partner with you in ministry. We really do feel like we're kind of just a vessel um, and we're humbled again and again at how God provides for us so that we can provide for other people to know him more. Um, and also the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Um, so if missions or ministry is something that you're interested in, we'd love to talk to you more about um, serving in Bolivia or how we can partner with you from here to serve in Bolivia. Yeah, thank you for you have mercy <laughs> and be patient and thank you for the opportunity and the invitation. Uh, thank you. Yes, thank you. So you can talk to either one of them. You can talk to us. Um, and don't be afraid of talking to them. They're really sweet and nice people, as you saw. Although Danielle's got a little bit of a wicked side to her. Um, she seems pretty nice and straight-laced up here, but uh, I'll tell you a story that I tell all the time about her because it's one of my favorite stories to tell. And that is that when she was a freshman, she had this little a friend of hers. They were both, like, inseparable. And I saw them one Friday night at Walmart and made fun of them. I, I think what I said was, uh, what are you losers doing here at night uh, on a Friday night at Walmart? And, you know, they were kind of timid and say much, whatever. So I walked away and then heard them erupt with laughter. I mean, just loud laughter. And I think it was months later, maybe it was a few weeks, but I asked the question, because in my mind, I kind of had an idea what they said after I said that. Um, but didn't know for sure, and confirmed it a few weeks later when I said, what are you losers doing here on a Friday night? After I walked away, they said, at least we're not alone. 
So there you go. That's the wicked side of Danielle. She is sharp and very, very funny. Um, and I've enjoyed spending time with uh, Franco as well. So, all right, um, let's get into it because we have uh, a lot to do in just a little bit of time. I want to welcome all of you who are here today, particularly parents that are part of Family Weekend. We're super glad that you're here. Uh, our church was built around the idea of ministering to college students, okay? I mean, that is why we came up here to start Denton Church, was to bless and minister to college students. Now, obviously, that's grown, and then our kind of second mission became making sure that people graduate college and go into the working world and do it successfully and don't forget all the stuff they learned in ministry and relationships and all that, right? And even now, we're growing beyond that of how do you help young families and people in their 30s and 40s think through continuing uh, to be disciples well after their college years. And more than anything, we want people not to look back at their college years and think those were the best years of my life. I mean, sometimes, yeah, there were certain experiences, right? But we want them to keep growing in their face that each new year is just as good as the year before, or each new season is just as good as before. And so that's who we are as a church. Um, but we're uh, really excited and glad that you've joined us this weekend. Hopefully you've had a fun family weekend, although I still have no idea what family weekend is about, because it seems like no families pay for any of the activities. So I've never really heard anybody experiencing any, anything on family weekend, uh, other than just hanging out with their family, which is primarily what you should be doing anyway. Um, all right, so we're in this uh, sermon series on friendship, okay? And uh, this title has been butchered a couple times now. Um, so let me give you the authoritative uh, sermon series title. Are you guys ready for it? So it's funny. It's not just fun. It's funny. I've already lost my place here. And it stands for, are you ready? Friendships, unity, the nuance of relationships, also new relationships, and being young while relationshiping, Jesus' heart for people of all kinds, all types, all persuasions, and all personality types, including but not limited to Enneagram 3 and 8 types, also losers in general. <laughs> so, you know, just in case you're wanting to invite anybody to our church, make sure you just rattle off the sermon series uh, titled to them, and they'll immediately feel really interested in being here. We've been talking about friendships. Why? Because we've decided that we need to get back to some basic understanding and level of friendship as we get older and as many of us graduate college, okay? Because this is really, in my mind, what ministry is about. It's what following Jesus is about. It's what our church is. It's what community is. It's literally the thing that God has given us to do as humans, to be in deep friendships with other people. And in, in a moment, I'm going to hopefully convince you that this is the one thing really we should be doing. Just like we were back to the Garden of Eden, there was just one thing, don't do this. Now we have one thing we should do, and all the commands and commandments are literally minimized into this one thing, have deep friendships with people and treat them as Jesus treats us. And it makes it simple, and the gospel is simple, and it's freeing, and it's really wonderful, and hopefully I can convince you of that. But why is it that we see many of us, and I'm kind of talking to most of you focus students who've been through our college ministry, why do we see focus as some of our best years of friendships? Why do we look back and think, man, those were the years I really had good friendships? What's going on there? Well, a couple of things real quick. Number one, okay, it was kind of simple back then to have friendships, Right? We kind of had two kinds, buddies and mentors, or people we were mentoring. It was really easy to kind of categorize friendships. All right? We had lots of choices. 
on who to be friends with, and we were open for the most part with differences, lots of differences, okay? This person, that person, we weren't near as fickle, specific, whatever, uh, as we are today. Um, and this is really good because too many uh, college friendships are about people just getting together, like-minded, same organization, same sorority, same club. They have no differences. They spend no time with people. But, but the ministry that we have at Focus brings people together who are different. Now, slightly different, okay? Um, that we're still in college. We're still mostly the same age range. You know, you're, uh, you know, introverted engineer friend, um, because you're an extroverted business friend, doesn't exactly encapsulate all the differences of human nature, but it is cool in the community of faith to be able to have friendships across a lot of categories. And that's good, and it should happen. And it doesn't happen a lot in college, right? But for many of us, uh, that was a big, big part of it. We have lots of time. We spend a lot of it together throughout the week. Hangouts in this place and that place. We're just kind of inundated with time with each other. And even more important, we have a reservoir of effort, meaning we just have a lot of desire to build friendships with people. Maybe because we are transitioning out of not having friendships in high school or in another place. But the two most important components, I think, for you know, really starting and maintaining friendships are time and effort. And we have a lot of it. All right? So there's just at least a few reasons why this is a little bit easier in college. Well, when we get older... Things get more complicated when it comes to relationships. It just gets more complicated, right? For many of the exact reasons why it's easier when we're in college. Number one, we have less choice about a lot of our relationships. We're just not around a large pool of people looking for friends, okay? We're at work, and maybe I'm a 35-year-old, and I work closely with a 50-year-old. I'm a man, she's a woman. What do I do when my, our relationship, our friendship, just seems to cross so many social boundaries? We just don't have near as many choices in our relationships. And so we can either choose to just not make friends or learn how to do friendship in these ways that cross generations and all of these different barriers. And I think that's what God wants us to do. Our interests and our ages of friendships varied very differently, right? We have more fixed ideas of who we want to be, what we want to see. We have preferences for friendships because we've had good friendships, bad friendships. There's all of these obstacles and barriers that make doing friendship harder the older you get, okay? Um, Not to mention the time and effort thing. Our time is fleeting. Our effort at the end of most nine-to-five workdays, the thought of going and building friendships sounds like, no, I would rather be a friend with, um, I was going to try to think of a relevant TV show, but I just don't really watch any relevant TV shows. Uh, so insert pop culture reference of virtual friend uh, on TV, okay? So that's why most adults, guys, have kind of chosen to either have no close friendships, just none. Or they've reverted back or haven't grown out of their college days and their idea of friendship is having some buddy or maybe even just still trying to renew and reinvigorate my relationships in college. And they have not moved on to learning the third way, which is Jesus' way of being able to develop friendships with anybody and everyone around us. It's just, that's just tough for a lot of us. For someone like me who's fairly introverted, even that, that becomes a problem. We have all these excuses, all these obstacles, but it doesn't get any easier as we get older, okay? So I want to read John 15, and I just want to give a few ideas here, uh, and, then, uh, and then let you all go to Troy's wedding, <laughs> which he decided to do during church. Love you, Troy. Love you, Haley. 
you're listening to this, yes. All right, so John 15, I don't know why I'm looking up on my phone. I have a Bible here. Look at this, very exciting. John 15, where Jesus is really kind of like finally laying down the vision for um, what's about to happen. And in some ways, the scene itself, he is kind of challenging his friends to think through their role as his friends. He's telling people who are closest to him what's about to happen. And what's about to happen is not good, okay? Not for them, not for Jesus, not for anyone really looking from the outside in. So that's where we pick up. John 15 and verse 12, I'll read it. We're going to go through 17. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now this really takes the golden rule and ups it infinitely, because it's no longer love your neighbor as yourself, it's love Jesus as I've loved you. We have a standard now that does not change with our fleeting perception of ourself, desire for what we want, okay? And this is pretty challenging. In another place, Jesus says, you know, by all, your love for each other, all people will know you're my disciples. So greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I've learned from my father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. See that? He mentions three things here that are really important, and I'm going to give them to you fairly quickly. Number one, friendship is doing what's best for someone, no matter what it costs me. Love is that way too, guys. We're using love, care, friendship. These words, at least in our modern text, modern context rather, are pretty interchangeable. But love and friendship is doing what's best for someone else, regardless of how it costs me. But that's not... Let's just say it's not the full encapsulation of what friendship is. I would say probably that's more like being a friend to someone else. Having a friend is someone doing the exact same thing back to me. Okay? A true godly friendship relationship is built around the code that we're going to do what's best for each other no matter what it costs for us individually. How many friendships do we really have that are that way? My wife and I were talking a little bit about uh, heaven the other day in a conversation and just the thought of like not knowing each other because uh, we're not going to be married. Uh, we just, the whole thought is weird. There's no marriage in heaven. What does that look like? And the best guess that I have of heaven is that we are all in this kinds of friendships. Not to say that all friendships are somehow equal. We still have memories. We still know them. But where people are more concerned with the other person than they are with them, their, themselves. So I can be a friend to someone and, and that friendship is based on me sacrificing for them. But to have a friend, to do this friendship thing, is a code that we accept that we're looking out for that other person no matter what it costs us. Okay? And so few of our relationships are really that way. And that's why it's so special to truly have friendships uh, in Christ. It's really, really a big deal. And that's what Jesus is saying here. When he says, you, you love me if you do what I command, what did he command at the end of this? Love each other, okay? You gotta prove it. It's a commitment we make to each other in friendship. 
not a whole lot different than a marriage relationship. And in fact, if you're married and your spouse is not a close friend of yours, your marriage is probably not going to be too successful. I've often wondered why there is marriage beyond just procreation stuff, and I'm pretty sure that God sort of told us to get married so that we would at least have one friend to, uh, you know, do all this stuff with, the commands with. I remember reading not too long ago uh, that I think maybe 2015 is the last time they took this, uh, this survey, asking Americans how many friends they had. And I always loved the, the results because the results now are like, it's like 1.5 friends, close friends. That's like down from like 2.5 in the 1980s. But if you think about that for a moment, that means your spouse is either your only friend. I don't know about the half friend and how to deal with that. That's statistics. <laughs> or not your friend at all. <laughs> So I don't know what relationship is, uh, is worse, you know, um, your spouse is your only friend or uh, whatever. But we, we, make, we make commitments, okay? So friendship is doing what's best for someone no matter what it costs me. That's being a friend. Having a friend, friendship is about a code where we both do this, a commitment that we've made, okay? And then he talks to about uh, constantly knowing each other um, and getting to know each other and knowing more about each other and keeping that commitment. Because it's pretty easy to make a commitment to someone that we're going to be diehard friends, ride and die friends, until you start to get to know them a little bit better. And the more you know them, the less they seem to deserve your friendship. And Jesus is saying that. He's saying that you now are not my servants. This is no longer one way, one way street, one sided. You know me and I know you, you are my friends. The third point here is friendship is about knowing each other really well and sticking with that commitment anyway. Again, back to marriage. And there's no amount of knowing someone up front when we start a friendship that's going to prepare us for that commitment or know whether it's going to end up working out or not working out, as Leslie talked about last week uh, with the, uh, the idea of risks and relationships. But guys, it takes a lot of time and effort in friendships. And honestly, that's part of why a lot of us as adults probably don't start friendships. <laughs> because we know how much time and effort it's about to take. And it'd be a lot easier to just stick with those people that are around us, that are easier, that we've already had friendships with, or of course just you know, make friendships with people uh, that don't exist on TV. That's probably why we shy away from this, right? So some of us are in this like, perpetual state of interviewing our friends, our potential next friends. Meaning we like meet for years at a time, possibly never really growing any deeper, never really kind of getting to know each other, never really making a commitment to be friends. And by commitment, I mean, obviously this isn't like dating. Uh, we don't have any language for this, right? At least not that I know of. It's not like, you know, you're sitting across from a friend and you're like, hey, should we make this official? <laughs> what do we want to post on Facebook in terms of our friendship status? right? We don't do that. We have almost no language for talking about making commitment to friends. We do it with marriage, and we do it with these, you know, sometimes other commitments, but almost none. And I'm not certainly suggesting that we come up with language for that, but some of us are in our perpetual state of interviewing potential friends, meaning that we, we don't grow deeper with them, or we're, we go to this friend, and we move on to this next friend, and then we're over to the next friend, never actually getting too deep with people. That's one of my biggest problems, is I have a pool of people over the years of being a minister uh, and being in, in a variety of organizations that I can kind of choose from. And so it's easy for me to, to have real thinned-out relationships. I can meet with 30 people over the course of a month and never really spend quality time with people who really know me. That's me being a friend, but it's not me having friends. 
okay? Because I haven't made those commitments ooh, and letting those, uh, those people inform me, know me, uh, and speak words to me. So uh, we need to get to know. We've got to decide friendship, and we've got to commit to it. Uh, when it comes to these sort of stages of friendship, uh, we've got to get to know people. We've got to decide we're going to be their friend. Jesus said, I chose you. You didn't choose me. And we've got to commit to it and be there. And if we can't do those three things, we won't develop friendships. All right? We'll continue to have relationships that sort of look like being a friend, but not really having very many. Guys, friendships are really exciting. They're challenging. They're incredibly difficult. And for those of us who've been around for a while, we know our standard of friendship is very deep. It's very high. It is kind of overwhelming. It should be. If God wants us to do it, it's going to be one of those things we have to rely on him to do well. And it's one of those things that largely, even in the church, our society is just sort of lost. We've, we've focused on almost everything else except for this one command, which is the command that Jesus gives us. In some ways, almost arguably, combining the two biggest commands from the Old Testament of love God and love your neighbor into one, because when you love each other, you love him. And that's what he's saying in this passage. The one thing he's given us to do, Satan, the powers to be, uh, have put so many obstacles in our way to do it. And it's time for us to really go back to God in that, and uh, for him to empower us how to do friendship right. Okay, friendships are the epitome of God's love, guys. Friendships, not just being a friend, they are the epitome of God's love in the world. That is how people see God at work the most. Jesus himself says it, you'll know disciples by the love that you have for each other. And so if we don't have deep and thriving friendships, we have a problem. And it's good news because God wants that for us. So, I simply challenge you with this thought. How much time and effort are you putting in, okay, to starting, building, and enjoying your friendships? Yes, enjoying your friendships. As Leslie mentioned last time about friendships being fun, that's the most exciting thing about friendship, is that effort and time pays off in friendships. And sometimes it doesn't, and sometimes whatever. I remember sitting in um, uh, an actual uh, leprosy village in India, uh, and, gosh, it was way long ago, and there was a, some little sign on the wall. I'm really good at like remembering signs, like the essence of them, but never the actual words of them, uh, as many of you know. And it just said something along the lines of, you've got to have bad friends before you'll ever know what a good friend truly is. Cool, right? <laughs> I'm going to come up with my own poster company, actually, and then just put really vague, bad-sounding phrases and see if people will buy them. I think Grant Trotter would probably buy them. Um, so are we, how much time are we spending, time and effort, in really putting into building, um, starting, and enjoying our friendships, all right? Because at the end of the day, those are things that we, uh, we ought to think back on. Uh, qu quick questions. We have about four minutes. I had to preach that very, very quickly. So... Uh, when I get you guys out of here, when I have plenty of time, uh, we only have the building until 1130 now. We're trying to get, you know, um, the morning uh, earlier here so that we can do BIPOC meeting, although we're doing that. Armadillo is open, by the way, at 8 o'clock in the morning, which is super sweet. Um, so if you want some coffee, it's not great, but it's, uh, you know, whatever. It's not bad, and it's beautiful in there. Okay, quick questions. You got two or three minutes. Appropriate boundaries as an adult No, all of a sudden everything is okay. Once you're just out of college and this, you know, sexual attention is gone, you just, any, 
friendship, so yeah, it's all great. Uh, no, we'll talk about that later. There's, there definitely are. Uh, it's one of the challenges of marriage, right, um, in some ways. But uh, yeah, there's, we're going to get into a whole section on boundaries, uh, by the way. This whole first section, which I kind of start to, to talk about, failed to, to tell you about, is about starting friendships, just sort of thinking about friendships in general. And then we're going to talk about expectations, boundaries, those things. So I want to answer that question later, if that's cool with you. Yes, another question. Yeah, absolutely. So the first question was, uh, what about boundaries with male and female friendships? I punted on that so that Leslie has to answer it. Um, the second question is, um, basically, is there a time when doing what's best uh, actually is pulling back? Absolutely. And so to give you a quick example of that, it's Jesus telling them, do you guys want to leave too? Um, uh, when, you know, he was asking them to identify who it, it, it is. I, there's a lot of things about doing what's best for someone, guys, that... You know, so I think this statement is not that profound when we think about it. Most people think I'm going to do what's best for my friend. The problem is their idea of what's best is often wrapped up in their own projection of what they want, what they see is right, uh, so as not to lose the friendship. It's not based on how Jesus treated people. Um, Jesus was not a forceful friend, uh, guilting people. For, you know, they wanted to be around him. They loved being around him. Um, and I think that's what's really important is, is he often did kind of pull back, say, hey, or, you know, do you understand this? Um, do you really know what's going on? Um, and, uh, and let them sort of make decisions for their own and for themselves, even to the point of, you know, his relationship with Peter and kind of telling him what's going to go on. Uh, yeah, definitely pulling back, but we'll talk about that with the boundaries stuff a little bit more too and what that looks like. Because sometimes uh, there's something to say about people's friendships and relationships where someone begins to depend on you too much uh, and or shares too much. And yes, we are all interested in the boundaries conversation. So we will get there uh, as we've laid the framework for this. A couple more, if you have any. Uh, yeah, I think it is. The question is if the idea of friendship is um, two Christ-like people sharing Christ's love with each other, is it possible to have friendships with non-believers? And yeah, I know, I'm, uh, I feel bad about kind of making that. I guess probably the language there sort of fails me. What I really mean is the kind of friendship that God wants for us will always be uh, perfected in two people who are living in accordance with Jesus, right? But yes, absolutely, we can have deep friendships with people who uh, are non-believers. Be- the standard is just slightly different, right? Because we're still treating them as we want uh, as we know Jesus wants us to treat them. Their treatment of us has more to do with either some idea of friendship or how much they you know, care about us. But if they're not a believer, they're obviously not going to be following you know, Jesus' kind of standard for that. And that gets into some really interesting questions. Um, but our last session, I feel like I keep saying this, our last session is all about friendships with those outside of the, uh, the church. We'll have like four weeks just on that. But that's an excellent question and a good um, kind of caveat there. Maybe one more and then we're done? Okay. Well, I'm going to say a prayer, and then we will end from here. Again, uh, Danielle, thank you so much for coming this morning. Please go talk to them. Um, learn a little bit about what they're doing. Uh, we don't talk a lot about money around here, although we need to start doing that, okay, because I'm ready to buy a Ferrari. Um, <laughs> but we do. We just don't talk about that much. And um, so... This is a time where we're talking about money and we want you to give them money, okay? And prayer and all the other resources that they'll need and just get to know them. Lord, thank you for the people that you've put into our lives that have just challenged us. 
that have made our understanding of friendship so much deeper than we understood it to be before, made us really think through how you see people and how you love, continue to assist us, help us, guide us, move us in the direction of really loving and caring for people, making commitments to them as friends, help us to avoid the shallow, buddy-type friendship um, that, uh, that is certainly a part of friendships but is not in any way the full vision of them. I pray that we would start here with the people we know and uh, that you would just, uh, just challenge us on it, Lord. Just teach us. Give us a sense of refreshment and joy and a vision for what friendship can really mean and look like. Uh, we love you. Amen. Guys, be blessed this week. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.